Hello, my friend. You are listening to episode number 42 of Tidepod. And today we are going to chat about all things resumes. Yes. Oh my goodness. So I know, I know, you know, I get really lit up by the very unsexy topic of hiring and building your team and really structuring things for success. But I have been getting a lot of questions about some of the nitty gritty things like, okay, Tiana, when I'm actually doing the work of reviewing a resume or when I have my OBM or VA or whomever is on staff to help me review new hire resumes, what are some things that we should truly be looking out for? So as we do around here, I figured what better way to address this than jump on Tipod and share it with the entire community. So we are going to get down and dirty and talk all things resume red flags, and we're going to nail down exactly what you should be watching out for. Go ahead and grab that pen and paper, friend. We are going to nail down four main things to be looking out for. I have got you covered. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to Tie Pod, a podcast crafted by Tiana Tai to help you purify your purpose in business, love, and life. Whether you're an entrepreneur, dog mom, or just getting started. You're bound to find value as Tiana dives into meaningful topics each episode. So settle in, turn up the volume, and welcome your host, Tiana Tai. I've got to take just a quick second to ask you for a serious bit of support. TIEPOD would not be possible without your reviews, your comments, and just all of the positive feedback that we've been receiving so far. So if you haven't already, please go on, hit subscribe to make sure you're not missing out on any of this good and free content, and also be sure to leave a review. You may think that I'm not looking at them, but I swear to you, my friend, I read every single review and it just makes my heart so happy. So if you haven't already done so, Hit pause, leave a review, and then let's get back to the goodness. Having a lot of interest in any position that you post really is like a double-edged sword, right? On one hand, you are excited and just really honored to have quality people applying for your opening and you're knowing that you are going to be able to truly make that next dream hire, right? But on the other hand, like, let's keep it real. Having to go through and screen all of the resumes and cover letters and other materials can be so intimidating and not to mention time consuming. So one of my favorite things to do is really start to focus in on a couple of key areas as just like that first gate of defense, right? So basically what I'm saying is like, if the resume does not pass through these four checkpoints, then we can go ahead and slash them off the list and move on and make sure we're really spending our time on very aligned applicants, right? Obviously with the goal of bringing in your next dream hire. So without further ado, let's start to dive right in and talk about what these four things that you should be looking out for are and the easiest ways that you can spot them. All right, number one, this one is probably the easiest, easiest thing to spot. So obviously we're going to cover it first, which is like spelling and or grammatical errors. 
my friend. Okay, so this is a gimme, but we have to have the due diligence and really use this as a super easy screening tool for us, right? Spelling errors are literally the most common red flag on any resume. And if you have a lot of applications going on and you're like really going through a bunch of options for your next hire, then to see a spelling error or to see many spelling errors, like let's be clear, people do make mistakes, but to see many spelling errors is a really good indication that the resume should be thrown out. Now, this can sound harsh to some people, but like, let's really think about this for a moment. This potential candidate could be your next dream hire, right? So that means that they're going to be communicating with their colleagues or even quite frankly with your clients, depending on the context of their role, via email or texting or whatever. And we don't want there to be a lot of sloppiness, a lot of mistakes in that way. For obvious reasons, when in a business context, if we're dealing with important projects and deadlines and we're collaborating across different lines, it's really not appealing to um, have a lot of spelling or grammatical errors at play here, right? And also, this kind of does show that they're not really paying close attention to detail because a resume is known to be one of those things that gets thoroughly checked and it's supposed to be representative of them putting their best foot forward, right? This isn't necessarily the same as, you know, if there is a mistaken grammatical error in an email that's sent or something like that, right? If the resume truly is them putting their best foot forward, we want to make sure that their best foot is capable of paying really good attention to detail. So that's going to kind of be a little bit indicative of how they're going to perform on the job for you. So spelling errors, grammatical errors, that's a big one. Alrighty, so let's move on and talk about the second red flag that you should be watching out for when you're screening resumes, and that is unspecific content. So you're probably already asking, Tiana, what do you mean by unspecific content? Don't worry, I'm going to break it down for you. Basically, this is kind of like that tendency to copy and paste the same information repeatedly for various jobs and really not tailoring their resume to your business opportunity, to that job opportunity specifically, right? So this can look a lot like, you know, a lot of times at the top of a resume, there will be a statement and that statement may be super broad and generic or some of the experience listed, you can tell that in no way was there a um, intent to figure out how some of the skills were transferable to the exact position that you are looking to fill or what have you, right? Now, why is it so important that they use specific content and highlight their specific skills and experience that matches the job description? Well, quite frankly, it's going to save you time, right? Because if we have a really, really motivated applicant who is like dying to be your next dream hire and they are taking the time to really make sure they are highlighting very specific things, you know, transferable skills, qualities, characteristics, all the good stuff as it specifically applies to this role then we can tell we are looking at quality, right? Now on the flip hand, a lot of times what we see, and let's not let's not tell lies y'all, like we've also been on the other end of this as job seekers ourselves, right? Is a lot of times if they're applying to many, many jobs and they're not really as motivated or excited about some as they are others, the amount of care that's put into curating that specific content is super indicative of how serious and motivated they are to get this position, right? So, I mean, the question is, do they just want a job? Like, are you a stepping stone until they find something better? Or do they really, really feel motivated and excited about the very 
particular role that you have available and they feel excited about your organization, right? That's two very different (laughs) vibes, okay? And the people who are very, very motivated and excited, not only for your position, but to be a part of your company, they will do their due diligence of making sure everything is really tailored to map to what you are looking for. Alrighty, let's move on to the third red flag, which is going to be the lack of detail. Yes, here's the thing. If an application is lacking details, then you as the employer, as the person that is hiring, you're essentially going to receive a listing of their job duties, right? So, um, you know, answered the phone. Uh, managed the inbox or what have you, all of those duties, but not necessarily achievements in what was actually accomplished in their previous roles. Let me break it down a little bit more. Um, For example, you may find a resume has a bullet point listed as, I increased our sales within our company. Okay, that's great. The one thing that this is missing, though, is that element of detail. It's not telling you any measurable information and how their previous accomplishments could occur in your business, right? So instead, a better bullet point to really communicate that I increased sales within our company, it could say, I met and exceeded all of Company X's quotas, resulting in a 25% increase in sales over 12 months right? That is specific. And that's next level, especially if you're really looking for someone to bring in a degree of expertise into your business. So you can clearly see that not only did they improve things at the company, you can see that they are saying in in 12 months, sales increased by 25%. I love this. I love it, love it, love it when uh, there is a really good amount of detail in a resume because that's going to help you paint the picture of what somebody can do for your business when you hire them. Bringing in that detail is next level. So whether, again, whether it's you reviewing all of these candidates or a team member of yours is reviewing all of these candidates, making sure that they are being keenly aware of the applicants who are providing detail like that, those are the superstars in your pack and their resumes should definitely rise above the rest. I told you we were getting right to the goodness in this episode, so we are going to talk about the last and final major red flag that you should watch out for if you are reviewing resumes, all right? And this one's a doozy. It is unnecessary or inappropriate information. Let's start with inappropriate, shall we? Now, obviously, y'all know me. I come from corporate. There is a lot of decorum, a lot of, I call it like pomp and circumstance. And a lot of that is not necessary. But when someone is putting their best foot forward again, we want to be on the lookout for little things like um, a juvenile email address. I remember literally my old email address. What was it? Oh, it was T Rich because my last name used to be Richardson. So it was T Rich underscore lovable. And I rocked that email for years. But let me tell you, as soon as I was, I think I was like 15 years old when I got my first job. Y'all, as soon as I was 15 years old getting my first job, that email got retired and became the spam email, right? Because even a applying to like fast food joints and whatnot, I wanted to make sure that I presented myself with a slightly more mature email than T-Rich underscore lovable, right? So, you know, unicorn lover, blah, 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 or anything like that. We, It's not necessarily the biggest deal breaker, but 
you have to ask yourself, this is all your call, right? Would receiving an email from, you know, unicorn lover 8008 on behalf of your company, would a client receiving an email from that email address on behalf of your business, would you like that? Would that bother you? That sort of thing, right? So obviously, really, the the rule of thumb that we're expecting here is that an email is some, you know, um, indication of like first name, last name, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, numbers are okay. We're not being sticklers about this. But I do want you to think about, okay, if I received an email as a, as my own, as a client, If I received an email from this email address, would I like it? And if the answer is no, but you like everything else about this candidate, I'm not saying throw the resume out. But what I am saying is you need to consider, are you going to provide your team members with company email addresses, like specifically business email addresses? Or are you going to request that the candidate creates an additional email account uh, with a more professional email address? These These are real questions, real things to be thinking about. Alrighty. And what did I mean when I said um, unnecessary information? Well, sometimes and a lot of times we see this more so when candidates don't have a ton of experience or something and they're kind of trying to pad the resume, make it look a little nicer, a little fancier. Um, They'll put in some really unnecessary stuff that is not relevant to the job and really shouldn't be included on a resume. So this could be like, you know, pictures or a list of their hobbies or a list of classes they took in high school, um, even classes they took in undergrad, depending on the role. Sometimes that makes sense. Or any like highly specialized jargon, right? Uh, Again, a lot of times these sorts of things show up when we're just trying to fill up the resume, the one page resume, and it's just really not necessary. And it does make your job a little bit harder to really start to decipher like, okay, does it make a difference to this role? If this person, you know, loves to play basketball, right? Probably not much. Now, it also, fun fact here, including some more like personal things in the resume screening, the part that's supposed to be like highly objective of you or your team member who's screening these resumes can introduce a level of bias. Because if you find out what someone looks like or what their favorite things to do or other like, you know, more so personal information, you may find a commonality, right? You may be like, oh my God, I love to bake too. This is so great. And although it's great, the resume screening and the those initial phases of hiring, y'all know me, we want them to be as objective and fair as possible. And we want to save some of the more personal get to know you for further on in the hiring process. Okay, so that's my soapbox. You know, I jump up on there every once in a while, but it is what it is. And there you have it. Those are the four red flags I want you to watch out for next time you are screening a resume and trying to make your dream higher. Look, I know that going through a ton of applications and resumes can be such a daunting task. But if you keep these four red flags in mind, not only are you going to cut down on your process and the time commitment to going through all these, it will be better to help you choose the right candidates to move forward with in your interview process. Because again, you know me, we do not get on the phone with every single person who applies. So this is a very, very critical, crucial step to help you streamline and figure out the top candidates that are actually going to have the opportunity to chat with you via an interview. So you got this. Make sure. Let's do a recap real quick. I got you. No worries. Recap. Number one, check for those spelling errors or grammatical errors. Two, unspecific content. 
three, that lack of detail, and four, unnecessary or inappropriate information. Watch out for those four red flags and you will be golden, my friend. Thank you.